let's be real. Lawsuits are no fun, but with Paulson and Nace, at least they are a little easier. With two DC-born partners, Paulson and Nace will fight for you the way only a Washingtonian could. Paulson and Nace handles medical malpractice, wrongful death, and other complex injury cases involving negligence. So if you have been hurt or lost a loved one because of someone else's mistake or negligence, call Paulson and Nace for a no-obligation consultation. Visit www.paulsonandnace.com or call 202-463-1999. Today on CityCast DC, when was the last time you spent an afternoon just hanging in downtown DC? Not like going to a specific place or running a specific errand. That's probably because the downtown area just isn't really that livable. In a new ranking of downtown vitality scores, DC ranks almost last, but we're working on it. Tristan Navera from the Washington Biz Journal explains how. Today is Wednesday, May 3rd. I'm Bridget Todd, and this is what DC is talking about. So Tristan, people are trying to make DC more livable. Isn't DC kind of already livable? Like in what ways is DC not livable that folks are trying to make it more livable now? You know, the interesting thing is DC is kind of livable. Think about the last time you went downtown that was for a reason other than to go to a restaurant. A lot of us in the past couple of years haven't really had the chance to to go and do that. There's certainly a decent number of apartments for young single people. There's just kind of a small number of, uh, you know, dorms and that sort of thing. But it's not really a true neighborhood in the sense of you don't see kids out there playing, riding their bikes. You don't even think about that sort of thing for downtown D.C. And that's kind of the problem that it's having. What would realistically make D.C., particularly downtown, like more livable for families and different types of people to actually enjoy? Well, it's got to be a lot of public space investment. So downtown D.C. has about 27 acres of green space. But how much of that is is locked up in kind of federally controlled, very plain parks, right? There are a few options as far as where you take kids to go to play. There are some playgrounds that are kind of locked in private schools. There are a few, I mean, you, are you going to take kids to go hang out with the skateboarders, you know, or are you going <laughs> to go and try and hang out on, you know, DuPont Circle and with all the pets and all that sort of thing? You don't have a lot of great options. And so the public space is a big part of the conversation. So I'd love to know, like, why this is a good idea. I'm sure some folks listening are like, okay, who cares if downtown D.C. is super corporate? I know Bowser's got this five-year plan. Like, why is this something that folks should care about? This is the eventuality that's coming if people aren't coming back to the office, right? Downtown D.C. right now, the Central Business District, is about 92% office buildings. Now, if you are working remotely, you don't really have that many reasons to go down there anymore. If you're like me and you live in Arlington, you know, you have a lot of neighborhood shops and you once a week you'll go to your office and, you know, you have a lot of a lot of options. and You just don't end up spending a lot of time in the city center. So D.C. officials lately have been thinking as we consider, you know, remote work is here to stay. Well, downtown has to be something else. It could and should be something else. We have a really great downtown. We have 
The L'Enfant grid really allows a really cool feeling area. And if those buildings aren't going to be filled up with offices, why not fill them up with people and, and give a real true sense of a vibrancy that no other city in the country can really have? Yeah, part of me wonders if some of this is sort of an inability to accept that like what d- downtown DC is used for is changing. And maybe that's maybe it's going to be that way for a while. Maybe they're not going back to the way things were pre-COVID. Yeah, no, I agree with you, Bridget. Here's the interesting thing, too. DC has had this goal in the next five years of adding about 15,000 residents to downtown. Well, downtown is about 25,000 people, you know, around now. The end goal is going to be within a generation, somewhere closer to 87,000 residents downtown, which is huge. I mean, we're not just talking, you know, converting a couple of office buildings. You mean entire city blocks have to become something completely different. So I think we're starting to have this conversation right now, understanding that downtown DC needs to evolve and it's going to take a long time to get there. So you mentioned this push to convert some of those office buildings that are not really in use the same way that they were into housing. What are some other initiatives that you've seen or heard about from the downtown business improvement district? There's been a a push for a lot of more creative use of retail space. So here's a real kind of corporate kind of issue that DC has. They used to have a lot of restrictions on, on what's called like light manufacturing, which we're not talking about like machine shops or whatever. You know, in in DuPont, where there's that nice donut shop that you can watch the donuts kind of being made on site and there's a little production like that. You actually can't build stores like that in D.C. in very many places because it's forbidden by zoning. Well, if we ease up on some of the zoning, it lets us build more things in some of those corner shops so everything isn't just a Starbucks. You know, imagine a brewery that can brew beer on site. Imagine, you know, a little more food production. Imagine a creative space a shop where you can make some of those wares right there in downtown D.C. Those kinds of things really go a lot towards making downtown feel like a neighborhood. And there's a lot of kind of push to rethink certain rules that were instituted, you know, maybe in the 70s, maybe in the 80s with a certain goal in mind that that doesn't apply anymore. Right. So you've mentioned like easing up on some of these zoning restrictions. Are there other things that it would take to realistically make D.C. more livable, like to actually have it be something that could possibly be implemented? It's definitely being considered how to use green space and how to revive some of the buildings. D.C.'s height limit really prevents a lot of building further up from where we are now in the city center. But There have been a lot of rules that have kind of been built around, you know, rooftops and penthouses. You know, we've had a few architects talk about, well, some of that space in the mid block kind of in in between these buildings that used to be just kind of used as parking and loading. You know, maybe we should rethink those things and make them kind of pocket parks. You just got to have you got to have more places to walk to. You got to have more places you can take your kids to. You got to have a lot of those kind of third place environments that make downtown just feel more comfortable and less like you need to be there in a suit and go to wherever you need to go to and then stop at Tate on the way and then stop at Tate on the way home. Yeah, we definitely do not have a lot of real third spaces in the downtown area. Like everything is pretty much, as you said, geared towards like, oh, you're stopping in if you happen to still be in the office or, you know, maybe popping in to go to dinner or some engage in some sort of commerce. There's not really spaces to, to just like 
exist in public and not be buying something or engaged in some sort of reason why you're there. Yeah. And in certain parts of the corners of downtown have started to understand that, well, of course, you know, DuPont Circle has done a lot better during the pandemic and a lot fewer of the shops there have closed because it already was very residential. There's been some thought that Noma has done really well because there's a lot more residences there. But Noma wasn't really planned thoughtfully in advance, and that creates some of the struggles there. You know, there's not a huge amount of green space in Noma either. There are grocery stores and there's plenty of kind of housing options. But say you want to go and just grab a $10, you know, quick bite to eat on the way home or the affordable housing issues there. So thinking through this stuff a little bit more for the rest of downtown potentially could be a lot more helpful. It's time to get dressed up, DC. So Others Might Eat is having its Young Professionals Network Spring Soiree. That's to help raise funds for homelessness in DC. The gala is on the evening of May 17th at the National Museum of Women in the Arts. There will be live music from DJ Heat from the Washington Wizards, photo booths, food, and even a special appearance by a former actor from Pretty Little Liars. Wow. There will also be a canned food drive, so be sure to bring a few cans to support Sum's Food Pantry. Grab tickets before they're gone at sum.org slash spring soiree. That's S-O-M-E dot O-R-G slash spring soiree. See you there. When was the last time you went to the theater? Well, we have a new show for you to check out. The Gala Theater in Columbia Heights is showing the political musical comedy Museum in the Closet, Avida's Return, which follows Argentine icon Eva Perón to the afterlife as her preserved corpse ignites political scandals, clandestine affairs, and mysterious murders. The show is full of samba, reggae, and tango that will have you tapping your feet nonstop. The show is in Spanish with English surtitles and will run from May 9th through June 9th. Get your tickets now at galatheater.org or call 202-234-7174. So you mentioned making things more pedestrian friendly, like a place that you would want to bring your kids to walk around. I've seen renderings for a real life version of this, like a pedestrian only zone in places like Chinatown. What mm -hmm. does this look like? Yeah, so the downtown bit has really been thinking about Chinatown because it's right in the middle of all these different cool things. There are a few different ideas in play for how to revive some of those roads. I think they'd like to see kind of a road diet uh, where some of the lanes get closed down uh, in favor of more buses and maybe a more kind of pedestrian-friendly experience. The real thing is a lot of Chinatown is built for walking on sidewalks while a bunch of cars drive by you. You can't really hang out there. There are certain chances to. I mean, the, the, the Christmas market is really fun. And it proves that people want to go there. They just don't have a reason to stick around if they're not buying something. So if these roads are redesigned so that there's more space for people to spend time outside, they think that people will just spend a lot more time there. 
So I know that they, in Chinatown, already do that when there's game days. Like, they shut down the roads and for the Christmas market. Do you know if they're suggesting shutting stuff down around the arena or, like, other areas in the Chinatown area? It's a combination of everything. I mean, they're really looking at 6th, 7th, and 8th streets, especially. There are certain, kind of the idea of maybe funneling some traffic towards a few larger streets and then leaving others to be a little bit more either make it so that there's just only buses can go through this area or maybe certain time of the day this road is closed to traffic. Maybe some of these don't need, you know, traffic at all. Maybe we should really look at kind of the way that Silver Spring closed down, you know, a central kind of through fare. Maybe downtown DC has a few roads like that where you can kind of funnel them away from cars and towards people. I know another part of this conversation with making D.C. more livable is the crime rate. Crime is seriously up this year, and there's this feeling that downtown is less safe than it used to be just because it's emptier. So how does that factor into how officials are thinking about moving forward? This is the top priority that the bid has really looked at in Chinatown specifically, but in the rest of the city. There has been a lot of conversation about if downtown D.C. is as safe as it used to be. And we have a conversation about the statistics and we have a conversation about perceptions and they are sometimes very different things. I think when you think about the future of downtown D.C., you have to really think about it equitably. You have to really think about it as though saying, you know, seeing homeless people is it shouldn't is not a scary thing. It should not be this thing that is this problem. It's something that needs to be looked at in a very careful and um, very empathetic way. I think as we have these conversations, being very careful to understand that is is going to help a lot. Okay, so let's say that DC commits to all of this. How long would it actually take to implement? Well, it'll take a while, and it's definitely not without controversy. And this is what a lot of the downtown property owners have said. Trying to take cars away from DC, it's a tough process. And, you know, the reality is, There are 690,000 residents in the District of Columbia and, you know, 5.5 million in Maryland and Virginia. You're going to have a lot of people who experience D.C. by commuting there one way or another. We'll leave out any conversation about how the metro is doing and just really look (laughs) at you can't build up because of the height limit. You can't build down because we are still in a swamp. So where do you how do you make this city accommodating to people who are coming in from kind of the edges of town. And that's really what D.C. needs, because those people aren't coming in to work anymore. You want to have a reason to bring them there. So we end all of our interviews asking our guests if they have a D.C. life hack to share, something that makes life in D.C. a little bit better. So Anju is the best Korean chicken in town. Go to the happy hour. All of the prices are, are way cheaper, and it's just fun. Oh, my God. This is a tip made for me specifically. I love Korean chicken. This is great. Tristan, thank you so much for being here. Always a pleasure. Hey, thanks again, Bridget. And before you go, here's lead producer Priyanka Tilvey with the news. There was a line out the door and around the corner at MLK Library on Monday where residents on the city's public housing waiting list were checking their eligibility. It was their last chance to check in before the D.C. Housing Authority scraps the current waitlist, which has already been closed for a decade, and reopens a new version that they say will be more effective this summer. Right now, DCHA's occupancy rate is the poorest of any large public housing authority in the country. 
Also, DC has some staggering numbers when it comes to unpaid traffic tickets. Bad drivers have racked up more than $1.3 billion from unpaid tickets over the past 20 years. DDOT is installing more traffic cams and working on deals with Maryland and Virginia in hopes of getting money back from those drivers, but don't count on it. And lastly, a new memorial dedicated to fallen journalists is going up on the National Mall at the corner of 3rd Street Southwest and Independence Ave. It's been about four years in the making and only got federal authorization last December. The Fallen Journalist Memorial Foundation is now soliciting design proposals, but they already know that they don't want victims' names included. That's all for today here on CityCast DC. If you enjoyed the show, why not tell your favorite person who likes to hang out downtown? And subscribe to our morning newsletter, too. We'll be back tomorrow morning with even more news from around the city. Talk to you then. Bye.